There we go. Excellent. <laughs> you can start with me coughing. Yeah, that's a great way to start it out. Yeah. So we're just going to wing this. How about I just do sure. like my little intro and then we just shoot the shit like crazy. How's that? Sure. Sounds good. I might even, I might not even edit it. Like, let's just, yeah. 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 So, Hey everybody, it's the ordinary Joe show. Can you believe it? And I'm here with my very, very good friend, Jennifer Brigden. We went to school together in Melita. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was the teacher and she was the student, but I don't know how much teaching I actually did. Yeah. But thank you. Continue coughing and hacking if you like. Yeah. Yes, I will. Yeah. So thank, thank you very you. much. I thank you. Probably... You were an excellent teacher. My whole family was sick last week. My kids got sick, like, boom, boom, boom. And then yeah. Saturday, like Friday, I felt really sick. And it just lingered. So I still have this screwed up voice. But that's okay. it's a crazy thing, isn't it? All the sickness and crap going around. Yeah. It is never, especially with kids. I remember that that time period for sure. It's brutal. Yeah. I can't believe that you have kids and you're all grown up now. Like, and I don't think I've talked to you since I left school. Like, what the hell? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Like face to face. I don't think we've managed to see each other. I don't go back to, I know lots of your listeners are in Manitoba, but um, I don't get to go home. Right. Oh my God. Sorry. I don't know why. For anyone listening, the dinging is my husband. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm like you. I, I don't really know how to work everything. And it's all supposed to be set to do not disturb. Yeah. What's funny is that these are the buttons I hit um, when I'm on stage and then I have my phone in my pocket and now I'm going to be very nervous that it's going to ding. Um, but yes, you know, it's hard to get back. And I never spend a lot of time in Winnipeg. Um, yeah. My parents live you know four hours from Winnipeg and that's so right land in Winnipeg and then take off yeah so. and then head her all out yeah so yeah. let's talk all things comedy I am massively massively impressed and I've been <laughs> telling people I'm doing a podcast and I'm interviewing a comedian and they're like whoa <laughs> which is super super cool and I want to hear all all the stuff because uh like you were funny as shit in school, of course. Yeah, you're just such a, you guys were just, your whole class was a ton of fun. And what? and then you kind of went off and lived life. And then all of a sudden you're on yuck yucks doing like <laughs> stuff. Like how, so, so how did that happen? And let's hear all about it. Well, I, it's funny when I first, first started learning to do it, I took a class and there was a wonderful instructor who is a comedian and he starts the class by saying like, you know, everybody's here because they think they're funny and, <laughs> and that's great. And it's true because, you know, I, I always liked, um, being a person at the table who could make people laugh or maybe kind of make the conversation more interesting. There's a wonderful episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David calls it middling, uh, like sitting in the middle of the table and just kind of taking on the responsibility of, making sure the conversation is great. And I really always loved stand-up comedy and like growing up where I grew up, it was a very small town and like the exposure to stand-up comedy was next to nothing. Right. I, I always, I knew it existed, but I'd never really seen it other than, you know, you'd, you'd be watching like David Letterman or whatever and you'd see the right. people. Yeah. And then when I moved to Calgary, which is where I went to university, I got totally hooked. I had this friend who just like 
loved going to get it was yeah yeah Gex, the comedy club there and then she took me and I got hooked and we just kind of went all the time and I was always kind of if my parents came to town that's always where I wanted to go and it was always the staff and like I don't know in a weird way it didn't really occur to me that I could do it like I didn't really know the steps and it seemed super intimidating you know when I was a kid what 18 year olds are like fun good comics don't get me wrong but like I didn't have very much to say <laughs> you know like I, I I don't think I don't know if in what I don't remember watching it I remember watching it and being thinking to myself like that must feel really cool and I would love to do that but never never thinking like what's the actionable steps to to do it yeah and then I don't know and then I just it, it always became something I really enjoyed I would go and watch whenever I could and I loved stand-up specials and watching them and going to see comics perform and then you know Netflix kind of became what it was and you could see all these stand-up specials and I don't know and then it became something that I started talking about a lot that I, I really wanted to try it and I really wanted to figure out mm-hmm. how and then I met my husband and we moved here <laughs> had no friends and no job and was you know feeling all the feelings when you make a pretty big life change yeah and it just became a thing that I wanted to do and then so when trying to figure out how to do it I learned that there was a class here that you can take and I, I did take it and so it's like six weeks and what's very cool about the class um is you, it, there's not a lot of lessons there's like however many people are signed up for the class every week you have to just walk up to the microphone and tell a joke and then the next week you have to tell two jokes and the next week you have to tell three jokes oh, and then okay. and, and you know and by the time you get to the end of six weeks you should have a couple of minutes and that's just kind of it and it just walks because that's really the best way to learn how to do it is to just keep going up there and telling a joke and then coming and sitting back down um and then afterwards, I was, I just really liked it. And so I started going to open mics and I still do it. So I'm not that successful. <laughs> I don't know. I watch you. You look like you're doing pretty good. I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and, uh, and, and really, really liked it. And I'm kind of, you know, in, in the local community a bit, like I know people and, and I get to do, there's lots of, I get to do lots of open mics, which are, the smaller shows at bars and pubs and and whatever and then yeah so it's it's a lot of fun so it was like a weird journey of just kind of always liking it and then deciding I wanted to do it and then I don't know just doing it just jumping in with both feet well I like took a class (laughs) yeah there's a lot there's a lot a lot so this class continues to run here and now it's moved and it's affiliated with one of the comedy clubs and so a lot of people do take it and I don't know, it's sometimes, and, and like not locally, but sometimes there's like the split thing of like, our class is good or our class is bad. And I think there's a lot of classes out there that aren't as good as this class. Cause this class is really just like, if you want to learn how to do this, you need to know where the stage is and you need to walk up to the microphone and you need a chance to pick up the microphone and speak into it. And you need to screw up and you need to like say a joke in a fairly safe space. And ha- and so creating that safe space and creating like the world's safest open mic is like 
that's a really wonderful experience. And I think doing that has led a lot more people to try it versus like the hurdles of trying to figure out where these, you know, these entry level things are and of getting up on the stage and of trying to do it outside of learning it, like mm -hmm. in like a super amateur way. Um, are, there's a lot, like you have to find the people, <laughs> you have to meet the people, you have to go to the people and then you have to try it in front of a real audience. And it's, it's kind of a, a scary thing to do. And sometimes the people on those shows are really, really, really good. Um, there are people that a, a lot of those people perform regularly on the weekends and it can feel very scary for sure. to be brand new <laughs> and have a lot of them. So if you've at least held a microphone and you know how to take it in and out of the mic stand, you know, and you've got two jokes, it feels a little bit better. So I, I, I did it that way. That's, that's excellent because, you know, there's a, to me, there seems like, is there kind of an art of being funny? Like I can depress the hell out of people. That's easy. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's kind of the art of drawing from your life and finding the yeah. realistic bits that, that make it funny to other people and delivering that in a way. So that, that's a bit of a craft, but then the getting the balls to stand up and deliver it and hoping people laugh. It's a scary feeling. Yeah. It's a very scary feeling. And many other people are better at it than me. Um, but it is a very like, like there's a lot of, a lot more timing involved than I think yeah. I anticipated. And there's a lot more, it, it has to be so much faster than, you know, making people laugh at a dinner party. Um, and I, one thing that was really at my advantage is that I've been a marketing writer forever. I went to school for journalism and communications. And so I worked as a marketing writer. So I had a lot of experience writing radio, um, radio commercials and ads and everything in marketing is very, very short. Ah, yeah. And comedy is, is quite similar. And you kind of like prior to starting it, I would go, okay, so I have this very funny story about myself or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if I just stand up and tell this funny story, I'll make people laugh. And then if you go up it and do it and you're like, oh, this, this is the story that I tell at work at the water cooler and it makes everyone laugh. And you're like, whoa, that story <laughs> takes five minutes and right. I get three laughs. And at the water cooler, getting three laughs is enough. That's amazing. Right. Um, standing on stage <laughs> with a hot light and 75 people and just following someone who's a headliner on the weekends and somebody who just did a comedy festival and someone who's really famous who got like a laugh, a laugh, a laugh, a laugh, a laugh. Like they got, they did right. five minutes and they got like 35 laughs and you're aiming for three. <laughs> you know, and then you kind of realized like, oh, I have, I have to add more. Like this right. isn't a story. This, this isn't storytelling. This isn't anecdote telling. This is joke telling. And how do I infuse this story with jokes, you know, with presence, with this, with mm -hmm. whatever. And that is like, that's the thing that you can figure out with practice and time. Yeah. And yeah. Ratcheting that up. Yeah. And, and yeah, lots of, lots of learning and growing in there for sure. As a human being. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> entirely, entirely. Like I've written so many things, you know, and I remember finishing university and getting a job as a copywriter and, you know, being hired at this ad agency. And I had this really great creative director and she was, 
like gave a ton of feedback I, I don't know how else to describe it she was one of the best writers i've ever met wow. and like super efficient i mean i don't know what her short stories were like but for marketing writing and stuff like she she was incredible and you know she was the person who you turn in the document and she would like scratch it all out and say it's terrible and try it again but like not in like the mean kind of movie way it was just like an act of of, of getting better and like that process as I don't know a 22 year old how old are you when you finish school really young yeah was like a super alarming experience as a young person because like you've been through school you've had teachers you've done all this stuff but like now you're getting paid and (laughs) and you kind of have to be like a little bit vulnerable to make it work like if, if I'm if I'm running an ad yeah and at the time it was lots of real estate ads for like suburban communities and you're going okay I have to write an ad that gets a couple with a young baby who live in an apartment downtown who need to move into a bigger house who are looking for a safe community who are gonna have to commute who are changing their lifestyle how do I appeal to that person and then you kind of have to tap into like how would I feel if that was me you're this 22 year old kid and I'm like I don't really know what any of that feels like. So how I have to think about how I make my decisions. What does my home mean to me? What does security and safety mean to me? And find all those feelings. And and then sell something and get paid to sell it. And so and so it that in itself was this like baby vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Like this like tiny thing where I have to do, I have to tap into a feeling. I have to figure out how to write that feeling down. And then I have to sell that feeling, Um, you know, and I have to share that feeling with a lot of people. I have to receive a lot of rejection Mm -hmm. from this great writer who's teaching me from the graphic designers who are going to come back and be like, I don't have space for this many words cut in half. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of stuff from the client who's going to be like, I hate that word. Don't use it. Like there's just, there's just so many points at that where people say, I don't like it or it's not right. Or let's do it this way or let's do it my way and then I don't know I now really like that like I I I like working that way I have really ever worked that way and it makes me very happy and comedy is that on steroids that's right past the fact that you're standing on stage and no one is laughing at your jokes and your boss is drunk yeah. And everyone's drunk and, and, you know, and you're standing up on, you know, you're standing up there and it's not working. And the guy in the front just opened his menu. Cause he's like, I'm, yeah. this isn't going to get me, you know, I'm going to figure out what I'm going to order and try and flag down that waitress, you know, and you're standing yeah. up there and there's a light in your eyes. You're like, how, what can I get out of myself that might salvage this, that might get this back. Yeah. Kudos to you. Kudos to you. <laughs> so, so when you do your acts and I haven't, like, I got to see you live someday and yes, yes okay. definitely. But what do you, so what do you draw on? Is it kind of like personal life stuff? Is it like rural Manitoba country life or, or what? A lot of rural Manitoba country life. So I'm new with this. Like it, it takes a very long time and, yeah. and COVID is a massive interruption. And so a lot of my material is about being from Manitoba. And so I have switched to like, my contemporary life um recently which I'm enjoying and so that's like my next set but like my most established most defined material is largely about Manitoba I love it I love it 
yeah there's it's, a lot of material there like living in in yeah. western manitoba you, you could go on for you could do your own special on that <laughs> well I hope to someday yeah. um and I still do some of it and I I, I will always do some of it it will always be there yep. and ideally I'll get better and I'll get booked and you know like the, as a starting out comic you only get between five and ten minutes okay roughly. Yep. And then if then the next step to that is being booked on the weekends, um, which again is five to 10 minutes. You stay in five to 10 minute land for a really long time. Yeah. And even if I could personally do 45 minutes or an hour, finding an audience at a stage that wants yeah. me is very unlikely because it just like that comes later. So anyways, so to that point, I do a lot of stuff about Manitoba and a lot of stuff about, um, not really like my personal childhood, but like being a kid on a farm and a little bit of kind of talking about what the difference is between being in a city and being in the country and a lot about dogs, which is very insane (laughs) Um, because a lot of this began with me telling a story about how how every dog I ever had growing up was shot to death and then kind of and I actually if I have any actual fans listening I'm not 100% that's true um, but one of them was and and that sort of spiraled into this um this little story so it's a lot of fun and it's a little bit uh I don't ever feel like I'm making fun of Manitoba. I actually think I'm more making fun of not Manitoba. Um, and so that's really fun for me. Well, it's it's a fun, it's a fun carefree way to celebrate it, all the isms. Yes. The I think so. Yeah. We used to kind of I mean, kids are kids, but we used to kind of make fun of um my city cousins who lived in Brandon. So <laughs> that's great. Chill, <laughs> so let's chill about how cool and urban they were. Yeah. But they were girls and they lived primarily with their mom and they all took music lessons yeah. and dance class. And it was, uh, you know, this and like lovely feminine, you know, kind of city <laughs> life. I don't know, Brandon yeah. life. And it was my dad and me and my brothers. And I have um, an auntie and uncle that live in Surrey. So fun being able to say the real names of these places. I'm like, I live 45 minutes away. Um, Anyways, and they had two boys and a girl, but we all grew up on a farm. And at some point in our adulthood, we were all together at a wedding. And my other farm cousins and me were kind of (laughs) explaining to these three city cousins that when they would come visit we had really strict rules about like how we could be like like (laughs) what 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 we could share about what we found fun with these these city girls and so it was you know and especially my my boy cousins who really did like to do you know, trapping squirrels or shooting gophers or all that dumb stuff that farm boys of that t- time kind of did. And and so we were, and anyways, and so that 
conversation always really stuck out for me. It was very funny. And when I was trying to figure out what I wanted to talk about in comedy, I kept coming back to that of how funny it was that like as kids on a farm, we had the self-awareness that like some of this stuff was aggressive and weird and like <laughs> not suitable for company, but also like very normal and we were never going to not do it. For and, sure. And that that's country life, like like from childhood yeah. to adulthood of the things that are allowed out in the country. Definitely. Yeah. Not allowed anywhere else. And if you t- not allowed anywhere else. Yeah. And I don't know, like I feel it sometimes as an adult who lives in a city where you'll just be like, oh, that's like really different. <laughs> you know, stuff will come up. And I channeled all of that energy into the story about you know my husband's dog versus our dogs and how city people treat dogs versus how country people treat dogs um yes but, but <laughs> because you can't like because you can't kind of I was at a wedding and then this happened and you can't add all that detail and so yeah. uh, it's the dogs were a metaphor it sounds insane <laughs> um, because the dogs were real dogs yeah <laughs> but there, it was I do try and touch on this idea that like it is very different and like me as a person especially as a person who now has young kids and is raising them in a city and I'm just like some of this is the conversations are different and oh, I sometimes yeah. don't really feel like I totally I totally get it like I don't totally know the rules of uh like child's playground in a fancy city neighborhood and I'm just yeah. like no you can hit that kid like I, I <laughs> probably had it coming yeah. like it's you know like I, yeah and and, I and yes you can have a pee on the side of the road yes yeah you can in the park nobody cares oh no no it's so small nobody will see it anyway like it's nobody so will it's yeah fine. yeah yeah yeah, we grew like that was kind of the same with Luke because we go to the farm. Like my parents lived in the farm forever still. And yeah, yeah, same thing. Like Winnipeg life versus so Luke has got to see like all all of this. Yeah. 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 And you know, the funny part about your your gig then is that it it'll be funny for the country people because they're like, Oh my god, you're so right. I totally did that. That's funny. But then the city people will be like, Holy shit, that's that's horrifying, but really funny. Like I can't yeah that's the needle to thread and I didn't have it when I first started it was very like either too shocking or it was um too mean like it was either like too true or it was too <laughs> like I was really coming across as like and I'm right and you're wrong and yeah. I do hope I don't really do the set I, I don't plan on doing this set as much anymore um until I get you know up to that half hour but uh you know I, I really want was trying to kind of compare and contrast you know that we're all silly that we're all kind of stupid (laughs) don't really know (laughs) what we're doing but that they are very different like very different worlds 100 (laughs) no one ever does it no one ever goes like city country country people go city all the time because you need jobs and you need you have different dreams and and whatever (laughs) no one ever goes and I find people are very curious yeah, because it is it is a completely different world and mentality. So to be able to capture that in a fun way, I think, you know, good on you. I, I'm really excited oh, to see your journey, that's for sure. I had someone, this like kindly older man, and I used to do this bit that was um 
about my brothers kind of and I and I, I still do it sometimes but again I only get six minutes so yeah. <laughs> sometimes uh so I haven't done it in a long time but I was at a comedy club and I was doing this bit and it, it was about how I can say like my brothers have seen my set and they would want you to know that like I didn't have to do anything which is actually <laughs> very true <laughs> um and I was kind of talking about how like as a girl with two older brothers who were a lot older than me I didn't have to do as many chores like yeah. their farm experience was actually very different from my farm experience because yeah. they were like, at different points hired hands well I was just like a little kid who got yeah. like protected and coddled because I was a girl anyways and I told this story about um how it's again jokes told in this style or not funny but how when my brothers and I would go out and play it was their job to check if all the electric fences were electric um so that we could go through them so that I wouldn't get hurt that I never touched an electric fence in my entire life but they were forever touching these fences and getting zapped (laughs) and then going like we can't crawl through we have to go find some fences or whatever and that was and so I told this story um which was better hopefully on stage <coughs> it got some laughs but anyways at the end this lovely old man came up to me and he was just like I just want to tell you that I grew up on a farm and I had sisters and I had to do the same thing and he was just like it took me back to yeah, that yeah. and it's like kind of a fun couple of minutes and it never really like landed in a huge meaningful way Except for this one guy who had that experience. That's and super cool, though. And I thought it was really cool. And I was, and I like, and, and you know, it was a fun bit. And I, I don't really do it anymore. But I want to tell myself that the reason I don't do it isn't because, like, it, you know, it wasn't very good and it wasn't very popular, but also because, like, it was only ever going to matter to this one guy. <laughs> there, that, that joke was written for yeah. that guy. He got it. He was like, same girl, same. He was like, I hear you. Yeah. And then he came and told me, and then I was like, I'm, I'm not going to push this anymore because it'll never get better than that. I'm an amateur <laughs> stand-up comic. This guy coming up and, like, telling me that I saw him is it's it the joke is not doesn't have legs beyond that I so I love that I love that so your family have all seen you perform actually hardly any of them have seen me perform a lot of my friends have seen me perform yeah okay Um, but my husband has never seen me perform okay and he knows all my jokes uh and is a pretty good judge of like what's funny like yeah um, but I really started performing kind of at the year leading up to COVID okay yeah and I had done it uh I had done it prior to that I actually the very first time that I did stand up so I took the class and then I did uh, like an open mic show and then um got pregnant like it was right around that time I got married and I got very very sick with my first pregnancy and so the combination of being like scared shitless and for comedy and scared shitless for being pregnant for the first time and being very sick um I I didn't actually do it again I think I did it once more while I was pregnant but until I had the baby and was like kind of okay and then I started doing it all the time when she was about like a year and a half okay Um, and then I started doing it like basically once a week for until COVID happened yeah right. Uh, and so my husband was always at home with our job. Like comedy happens at night, right? So I would go out and do this, and and he would be at home. And so all of that has worked out that he's never seen me perform. And I don't, 
don't know if I really wanted to. He's seen my tape, he's seen videos, yeah. he knows what I talk about, but I don't know. Sometimes it just feels like it would be very weird mm-hmm. to, you know, like if when when people come that I know and watch me, sometimes it's really in my head. Yes, I get you. If I'm well, you were in theater, like you're kind of like yeah. oh, my dad's here. And and it's just kind of in the back of your mind the whole time. That's right. Um, like what's so and so gonna think of it? And then like, or even just like they're here, yeah. you know, and suddenly I'm just playing for them. I'm trying to make my husband laugh right. instead of, you know, all the other people. Uh, so he, <laughs> he still hasn't seen me, which he, he should, we should, he should just come out. Um, cause I'm not as nervous as I used to be anymore. Yeah. Either. I don't really mind having a, a bad, a bad show as much. Hmm, it's not true. It still it kills me, but but other than that, no one else really has. Like my family doesn't live here. Yeah, true. <laughs> and I primarily perform here. And then between, you know, COVID kind of shutting everything down for really two years, like travel mm-hmm. and comedy clubs, it never really worked out that anyone in my family could come watch me. But hopefully that will change. Yeah, know. that's got to change. I got to get out there. You got to come here. Yes. We got to do something. Yeah. I would like to perform. <laughs> From there, I don't know if anyone at Yakex Winnipeg is listening. Um, we'll tag them in it. Yeah, we'll tag them in it. But I would love to. And I like. And I was actually supposed to have a show. Um, I have a can of water that I'm going to open, or else I'm just going to keep what this is collagen water, so that I'll stay young and beautiful. Um, but I was supposed to have a show in Winnipeg when I was home last summer, but it got canceled. So that was. but yes the more people the better yeah yeah I love that so any big goals or big plans or anything or what's your hope and dream I don't know all of them like it's sort of it's a really interesting like experience because in all likelihood I will probably keep doing what I'm doing for a very long time and at some point become a regional opener which would be be amazing that yeah. is literally like fine by me um because that's a lot harder than that that's actually really good like that's a very that's hard huge. Thing to and and will take a really long time um that said <laughs> I'll do whatever you know like there's yeah. kind of this, um I want to say unlimited potential but that's not true because it's <laughs> this is a very limited potential um but I really love doing it and I just want to keep doing it for as long as it makes me happy which I foresee being a very long time it's a deeply rewarding experience it's hard to describe and you you know perform the energy that it feels when you were up there and people are connected and listening and you have their attention yes making them laugh or making them feel or whatever if it's yes, a play, all the stuff is so cool i can't imagine ever it's like it it's like crack like there's no yeah. no better drug like like seeing people like i remember the one the one play well i i would write the plays 
And then I would, I would go over them in my mind in bed at night and I would review them and I'd be laughing and crying in bed because I was laughing because I could yeah. out, play out. And then to see that happen in real life, like see like Wes Carr wiping his eyes and, yeah. and, and, and that kind of stuff was just, there's no other feeling than, than something like that. That was it's super so cool. cool. Yeah. There's nothing, there's no better feeling. Which there is no better feeling. I think you and I should write something. I would love to. Yeah. I will write anything. I uh, and I do. I actually took a TV writing class last year, um, last summer, and really loved it. Like, and I have a lot. I'm like j- applying for a job. Um, but <laughs> I, I've I've only ever made all my money, which isn't a lot of money. But I've ever made money writing. It's just all that. that I've ever been paid to do, and none of it's very exciting. Um, but it is, it's something that I'm very comfortable with and something that I'm very happy with. And I've kind of always gone to work and been a marketer. Um, and then for fun did a few other things. And when I lived in Calgary and pre doing comedy, I did magazine writing work, which right, right, right. Yeah. The pay is garbage, but I enjoy the interviews and I enjoy yeah, it's fun. The profiles and it was a lot of fun, but this is better. <laughs> Like it's yeah. incredible to me how much I enjoy stand up versus that because it adds that for one it's totally your own you don't have to yes. share it with anybody yeah and it's in your own like I can't compel club owners to book me um but I can if I work hard usually find a person who will give me a microphone um, and I can go up and do this experience. I can tell a joke. I can try a piece of writing. I can do whatever. Yeah. And it's much quicker. And I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a style of writing, even though it's not even really writing, but it's a style of writing sure. that makes me like much happier than all the other styles, all of For which sure. made me very happy. Um, this is human this is human a condensed human connection right yeah making your life you're making it funny you're connecting on an emotional and funny level it's yeah it's It's like a lot of fun yeah and it's really high pressure like it's not the pressure for are you going to succeed or or not it can be but if you separate all of that it's still high pressure because you you're just the only person who's allowed to talk in a room full of people and that can kind of when it's bad it's bad (laughs) when it's bad it's bad it feels terrible and you know I'm I'm an amateur so it's it's bad a lot and if you only get six minutes on stage and it's minute three and it's going badly you don't have any space to climb out of it yeah Um, and I don't know people who get 15 minutes have been doing it for a lot longer and they're <laughs> better but I do think <clears throat> that having that extra time gives them the room to get the audience yeah back. like if I have good. sometimes it's really really hard if you have five yeah. or six minutes and you're halfway through it and it's not working to pivot to other stuff is like you you're just taking a swing that this other topic right. or whatever will work 
but you don't have the, the time to ramp up in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah. And you don't have time to kind of get them lubed up and warmed up. No, <laughs> like there's no comedy foreplay or anything like you got to get them laughing like right now. You got to just do it. I actually, I, I did terribly at a contest last summer and which happens. And I realized with a spotlight on me and a couple of people and judges in the back that I had been doing a lot of crowd work and I hadn't even oh. given myself credit for that. And like, I bombed. I'm not saying I no bombed. I bombed. It was <laughs> terrible. But I remember standing up there and in this contest, you weren't really allowed to do crowd work. Like I should have. In hindsight, I should have, you know, three minutes in, I was not going to win and you know, and it was going badly and I was feeling stupid and some crowd work might've made me feel better about being up there. Yeah. Yeah. But doing crowd work as part of this contest wouldn't literally wouldn't give you any points. Like you couldn't win any points for okay. crowd work. Yeah. And so it was like, you know, so you weren't really supposed to do it. And, and while I was standing up there, I realized that I had, actually learned how to do crowd work and not giving myself credit for it because when things were not going great my instinct was to do that crowd work and was yeah. to and when and was to pivot in that way and without being able to do it I really recognized that it was something that I did do so and is that kind of stuff like helps get you back on the saddle if you do have kind of a rough show like to get back on stage the next time I think the get back on stage the next time is just a foregone conclusion. Just like, yeah. Bombing is just, it just happens. Yeah. And especially at my level, like there's no way that I can go. I have a show tomorrow night. And now I'm talking about bombing all the time. <laughs> and, so probably, and it's at the same place. And so I, you know, anyways, and so I'm, I'm hopefully not jinxing it, but, um, but like it, it does just, happen yeah yeah, it um, happens. yeah. And, and you do and sometimes it feels like you're bombing in a big way and it's actually just nothing yeah. like the extent I don't know maybe this is the life lesson but the extent to which you're up there and you're telling jokes and people are listening and it's not just like laughter but they're still fine they're having an okay time. Yeah. They're fine. They're they're not like yeah. oh, they're just existing. Yeah. And they're not laughing out loud, you know? Yeah. They're, but it's not that bad. And then the <laughs> it's really hard to see. And but it makes up for the times when they are just going to town. Like that's when cool. they're there, it's it's amazing. And one thing that's been very helpful for me is seeing other performers you know, because we do the same jokes over and over and over again. And I'll see other people do a joke that like, maybe never made sense to me, or, you know, I didn't really get or I'd seen bomb. And then you see them and it's all clicking and you're like, Oh, oh okay. yeah, that's, yeah. that's how that's supposed to go. Yeah. And you really notice it because I do a lot of shows in bars and stuff and so there's a lot of great jokes that get missed because the audience is you know ordering drinks or talking to their friends yeah yeah or you know or they're just 15 people and they're just listening yeah. and, you know, like they're not the difference between 
people at an open mic in a bar or restaurant and people in a comedy club is like measured in decibels like it's huge yeah and so if I if I have just been performing in open mics and I'm having a good time and I'm maybe not getting the massive laughter it can be shocking to compare a tape of myself in that small place having what I feel like is a good show and then at a comedy club having an amazing show or a terrible show because it's just it's so different and how I react is different and the way that my voice goes is different interesting it's it's really cool yeah I believe it a lot of a lot of learning and stuff because we even learn stuff even with our little plays in in Malibu and some sometimes you know it was just a massive hit and sometimes we would think we're doing a great job and it was just it was just yeah and it just has to happen and you can't you cannot as a person who wants to make something care that much like you can't like there's there's people in your life that you can choose and say like this person is objective like I'll take any advice that Amy Schumer wants to give me for the rest of my life plus a whole bunch of people locally that I love and respect but at the end of the day they actually don't give out that much advice because it's kind of hard because things change a lot you know yeah Yeah. and it's like there's some people that like I'm sure the judges of that comedy contest if there was someone who had never seen me perform before and never saw me perform again just as like oh she's bad you know because I was I was objectively really bad that day and it 100% did not work and if I just like take all that in, yeah. And even if it's you know it, there there was just local people, but if there had been this amazing judge who said like I don't know that was pretty bad, I don't think you're gonna make it, kid. And if I had just lived in that, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know what? Maybe it was it was really bad, and maybe I'm not gonna make it. And those can both be real, <laughs> but I might have a good show tomorrow. Yeah, and, exactly. You know, so which is a good lesson for life in general, right? You know, you can't let the bad shit slow you down from trying again. And, and you know, you can't worry about people's opinions a hell of a lot either. You you really can't. And like, as a person, I keep saying that. Keep, can't tell I have kids. <laughs> Just like as a, as, a, as a woman. But as a person, I like, I found in the last 10 years, I have fewer opinions and I give less opinions to people which I'm not sure was ever really my thing but like I am not someone who thinks that other people's preferences are good or bad and that has been cemented for me through doing stand-up because you can really see that like you just might not be somebody's cup of tea or the sliver that you see of a person is not them yeah Yeah. it's not a version of them it's not anything if you have an interaction with a person and it's five minutes long and then you leave yeah you don't know anything about them as a lightning bolt of time yeah oh my gosh it's a lightning bolt and people who see me perform on a good night or a bad night don't know anything about me as a performer because they just they just saw me for five minutes yeah exactly it does it does kind of it opened my mind that's excellent i, <laughs> I don't feel that. like i was a deeply judgmental person before but you know i don't know maybe yeah. i was it happens yeah yeah i'm so <laughs> massively impressed like i mean i think this is going to be a really great podcast for people to listen uh 
everywhere because you're doing this stuff. Like, I mean, oh, so thank you. they have like, oh, I'd like to do such and such, but it's too scary. Or what will people think? Or what if I suck at it? Or, or all this stuff. Or they'll yeah. just think I'll do it when I retire or blah, blah, blah. I'll do it later. You can't wait. And, and you know, that makes your ass tingle. Like, go give her shit. I love it. And you really have to like get over life gets so much better when you don't worry about being embarrassed. Yes, yes, yes. It, as much as as much as possible. Like I'm still a polite person. I still have to exist in the world. I still yeah. have to have semblance of decorum, you know, and dress appropriately for certain things. But like I know people who feel a lot of I don't know nerves before they head out in the world yeah and yeah, yeah. To get rid of that yeah is like if you never step on a stage and never use a microphone or sing a song or make something and, and, and show your work that's fine but just like focus all your energy on being a person who can walk out the door and just be yourself and have yeah. a great time do your shit do it all it's really rewarding to not have I don't know I always I have this joke that doesn't really work well, but that like the voice in your head is not real. The voice in your head is your dad. And it's not your dad who loves you and <laughs> like proud of you when you graduated high school and gave you a big hug. It's your dad on like the worst day of his life. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, and I, I always say that it's like, it's my dad on Christmas and he's been up since six and he spent <laughs> a bunch of money and no one's being grateful enough for all the toys. And then he's got to put all his stupid kids in a stupid car and yeah. drive through the snowstorm to go eat dinner with his dad. Yeah. And like, and that's a lot. That's what the voice in your head is. Yeah. And like you as a normal person, would not listen to your dad in that state you right. would recognize that dad's had three beers and <laughs> he pissed off Just and you know his sisters are chipping in his ear and you know he stepped on a bunch of lego you would not you know but he that's what's in there that's it that's the voice that's a good lesson that's a good lesson well, do like stand up comedy that's all the lesson because it's a lot you of know fun. You're a kick-ass person in, in high school. I always had such massive respect for you. Uh, like you are, you are the person who, who makes people happy. You're a, you were a fantastic writer, even then super creative. And oh, I'm not surprised you. that you're succeeding and kicking ass right now because, uh, yeah, I think you're fantastic. Well, yeah. I made $35 so far this year as a stand-up comedian. So the, by the measure of success, <laughs> the money, <laughs> I have a lot of fun. And you were a very good teacher. And I think I very much struck gold with the teachers that I had in my school at that time. But I mean, and I know you don't teach anymore, but you were a very creative and imaginative teacher. You led that drama class. You were, you know, did all those plays. And all of those things meant a lot to me. And I know they meant a lot to my friends because they were a lot of fun. And I know that like my desire my comfort level with being on a stage doing this, there's like a line for me. How much fun it was being on a stage when I was a kid. We had so much fun, eh? So much fun. We had fun. Yes, I had to write a couple apology letters through my career for having a little bit too much fun on the stage with the liberties I took, but it was all worth it. Yes. Yeah, and as a kid, I think, I mean, I don't 
know the contents of those apology letters. I will go on record and say I don't remember anything too, too bad from any of those plays. But, like, I wasn't a child. I was a teenager. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out how to be a person. And I think that period of time was very strange, like, in the world where it was like a lot of mixed messages about what a person should be and like this hanging on of like being polite and decorum and manners and yeah whatever it like kind of wasn't the way that the world was trending I don't know I'm polite and I have manners I don't feel obligated to use them all this time (laughs) like it's not like it's not my primary goal of the day and I have these kids and I want them to be polite and safe and whatever in the world, but I also want them to just be whatever people that they're going to be. And sometimes that looks like swearing when you're 16, which I did do and still do. Yeah, you you know, and one of the best moments, well, we had many, many moments all the way through, but the one year... We, I took you guys in, we, we came into Winnipeg to see a stage play. We used the drama money and we came in and I think we saw yeah. King Lear and, and uh, I left getting the tickets so late that we had to sit in the very front row, which is not ideal. Like it's not, those aren't good tickets, but no. I remember everybody being super excited that we got like the best seats in the house because they were in the front row. Yes. And, uh, Rebecca, I won't say who she is, but her last name ends with McNish. Uh, <laughs> she was sitting beside me and I'll never forget it. She goes, she turns to me and she goes, I know I shouldn't say this, Miss Sarn, but who did you sleep with to get these tickets? <laughs> she was so thrilled. <laughs> that made it That's up. so funny. That's so funny. I remember that. Yeah, that's a lot of funny. fun. So thank you very much, my friend. This has yeah. been absolutely fabulous. Either I have to get to Ottawa or you have to come to Winnipeg, but I have to see you perform. Well, I hope, I, for me personally, I would rather come to Winnipeg. Um, I did get to perform in Montreal a few weeks ago, which it's fun to go out of town. But again, as a person with kids, it's not the easiest thing. But I'm yeah. actually, um, like, I'm going to Los Angeles in a few weeks because it's a very small comedy festival there. But I got into a very small, very small comedy festival in Los Angeles the first weekend of June. That's excellent. Very cool. So you could also come to Los Angeles and see me perform the tiniest comedy club in the entire city, uh, which would be very cool. But I would love to, I would love to come to Winnipeg and uh, hopefully you will. Because I don't go to Winnipeg very often, it's hard, but I have so many friends, if a booker is listening, I could bring so many people that you'll make a lot of money. <laughs> 100, all of Southwest Manitoba is going to be. Yeah. yeah. When, Graduated class. And all, all the, all the F-150s and the plaid and the jean, the denim. Yeah. yeah. It'll be denim central and F-150s. Bales in the truck. Yeah. Yeah. Back. yeah. <laughs> yes. Cool. Excellent. Well, I will close it off. And I don't know if you've seen any of my other million audience people podcasts, but I always close it off by saying, Buy somebody a compliment. Buy buy a compliment. Pay a coffee. I don't know. Yeah. Buy a coffee. Pay a compliment. Tell somebody a joke. Bonus points if it's a little bit dirty. Yes. Yes. And we have to do this again. Yeah. We have to catch. Yeah. Periodically throughout my career. Yes. As you become famous. More and more famous. I think you're probably already famous. 
I am not famous. <laughs> I am not famous. I have never done a weekend show. I am not. I am not famous. Well, when but, that day comes, you will. You will be on our show again. I will. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, my friend. I'm so massively impressed. Yeah. See you later. Okay.